Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our second ever HFES Presidential Town Hall. No matter if you're joining us live, watching, or listening to this recording later, thank you all so much for being here. HFES has invited me to moderate today. My name is Nick Rome, and I host a weekly Human Factors podcast. I'm joined today by the president of HFES, Chris Reed, and by the president-elect, Carolyn Summerick. We've also, we're also going to hear from Blake McGowan uh, on the Outreach Division and Committee. Micah Inslee will talk to us about the Government Relations Committee. Uh, Gary Orr on the Public Outreach Committee. And Deb Bame Davis on the Industrial Advisory Board. Uh, we also have Caitlin and Steve hanging out from behind the scenes, uh, helping out with everything. Uh, we have a great town hall for you today and a great topic of conversation for you focused on advocacy and outreach. And we'll be addressing some of your questions, comments, and concerns a little bit later. But first, just want to level set with everybody on the format so everyone is up to date. We are broadcasting this live across many platforms right now, across the Human Factors Cast channels, as well as the official HFES channels. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, among many other platforms. And as we make our way through the conversation today, we ask that no matter where you're watching, drop your comments in the chat or the comment section, and we may address them towards the end. We'll see them all on our end, so, you know, please let us know. This is open to everyone, members and non-members. And one last note, if you can't stick around for the entire town hall today, the event should be available to watch on all those platforms right after we're done. All right, I've gone on long enough. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to Carolyn to go through some of the society announcements. I'll go ahead and bring up that uh, slide deck you have there, Carolyn, and I'm going to pass it over to you. Okay, very good. Thank you so much, uh, Nick. And thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Um, so just want to give you, um, a few, uh, announcements, um, and, uh, from HFES. So, oh, well, so first we're going over the agenda. I'm not controlling the slide deck. <laughs> so, sorry. Slide one. <laughs> All right. So this is our, our slide number one. So this is, uh, again, a welcome to everyone. These are the presenters for today. Uh, and so, and, and so we can move on to the next slide. So our agenda today, I'm going to give you some, uh, basic announcements of what we've got going on, uh, in HFES coming up, things that we'd like you to know about. You may have seen in the bulletin or maybe not, uh, so we want to draw your attention. Um, the who we are, we're going to get introduced to uh, everybody uh, through our uh, uh, telling you about what we do uh, in HFES. And particularly, again, today we're focused on our folks who are working in the advocacy and outreach areas. And so you're going to be meeting and hearing uh, from them uh, in just a moment. Next slide, please. So want to let you know that, uh, uh, yes, another survey from HFES is coming your way. We would like to get your input uh, on this particular uh, town hall, just like we did get your feedback on the last one, which was very helpful. Thank you so much for that. Uh, so this survey will be available to you to give us, um, provide us with feedback uh, on today's town hall. Next slide, please. So. We wanted to draw your attention to um, some 
uh, events and, and member um, uh, uh, benefits, basically. We have a career center in HVS, and we wanted to draw your attention to that. If you are someone who is looking for people in the area of HVS or, or HFV, I should say, or if you're a member who is looking for um, a new uh, uh, career opportunity, please check out the Career Center. Uh, and we have lots of, of opportunities that are posted there. And um, it's a good way for companies to let people know that, uh, that they are looking for people who specialize in various areas within uh, HFE. Next slide, please. Next, this slide is basically telling you that we work on people power. HFES is powered by our members. Yes, we have staff, a few people who are, who are paid to do this and work on HFES stuff on a daily basis, but it's really our volunteers that keep us going. And we wanna make sure that you know that if there is something that you are really interested in or passionate about, or you just want to get more involved in HFES, I am sure that we can put you to work. Um, and it's a great way to meet other members uh, and to do more networking, which is exactly why a lot of people join HFES to begin with. So we have a volunteer uh, page and you can look at the opportunities there. Uh, and of course, you're always welcome to, to contact us too if you say, hey, I don't see an opportunity for this, but I think this would be a really great thing for HFES to be doing. So um, please get in touch with us either to, um, to look for opportunities that we have or, or even make suggestions for, for other ones. Next slide, please. So we have elections coming up. Uh, and um, that is another great way to have uh, an influence and say in what HFES does, directions that the organization takes. Uh, so both in terms of you as a member voting and you as a member potentially putting your hat in the ring. And um, uh, the first stage is getting nominated and uh, then after the nomination process, then we have a, a more uh, trimmed down uh, set of names that will, will go up for the election. We created a video last year about, about how the, the nomination process and the, and the elections process actually works. And um, that's available, I believe, on our website in the uh, member center. We can help you find that. Um, but look for an announcement about the elections. There are uh, members, there's a member at large. So we have two member at large positions that we fill every year. And that's a three-year uh, 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 window in terms of service. There's also, of course, the secretary treasurer position and the president position. These are all three-year positions in terms of being an, uh, uh, an elect, the actual position, and then the immediate past uh, position. 
So we have awards uh, and um, they, we like to celebrate our members and our member achievements. And these don't necessarily have to just be for members though. We have um, a number of different awards and the way people get these awards is that they are nominated for them. So great, slides are back. So we have, we recognize people who do great in terms of being educators. We recognize people who are innovators in our field. We recognize outreach, which is just what we're talking about today uh, with the Oliver Keith Hansen uh, Outreach Award. We have a Young Investigator Award. We have Early Career uh, Service Award. So we, we, we love to be able to recognize our members for what they, what they do and what they excel at. So the deadline for submitting packages for uh, consideration for the awards is moved out to April 15th. Hopefully that's not gonna interfere with you getting your taxes done. Hopefully you've already taken care of that for folks in the US. Uh, and um, so wanted to bring that to your attention. The other thing on this slide is this year, again, we're going to be providing uh, funding for seed grants that target the intersections of human factors in ergonomics and anti-racism, anti-bias. Uh, so please look for an announcement that should be coming out, I would think within a couple weeks uh, for uh, proposals for those seed grants. And I think that is all. Oh, no, 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 more, more yet. And there's more. Next slide. Our events. Um, we do uh, have a lot of sort of major activity events. Uh, we had the Titan Symposium in February, which you can hear the recordings of that and you should listen to. Uh, we've got a, a lot of great people uh, in HFES who are, who are, you know, people who, um, if you don't know the records, uh, it's really great to, to listen to, to them. Um, we had a very successful uh, healthcare symposium that just uh, completed last week. And there's going to be a virtual, a slim down virtual version of that coming up in June, which you could consider. And of course, in October, we have our annual meeting. Uh, that'll be in Atlanta. And we are super excited to be in person again in Atlanta. Uh, and then ErcoX is going to be following up right after that. I also want to make sure that you know that um, we have webinars, so these are not the only activities that we have. We have webinars that are scheduled uh, periodically, and so please keep checking the events page so that you're aware of upcoming events and, and read the bulletin. Uh, those are also announced in there too. And now I think I'm done. <laughs> so Chris, are you taking over? Yep, I'm switching in. Thanks for the uh, for the tag, Carolyn. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, Chris Reed uh, is the pres president of HFES. Uh, for those who are new to Human Factors in Ergonomics or Human Factors in Ergonomics Society, just going to give a, a quick overview, a brief overview. Um, so our mission, as you see up on the screen, is essentially advancing the science and practice for systems. So we're designing for people and 
essentially designing products or systems around people uh, and, and learning about their capacities and capabilities and designing to that. If we can go to the next slide, please. Some of the highlights for HFES, we were formed in 1957, believe it or not, uh, just post-World War II. We have around 3,500 members uh, and 24, 25% of them are students. Uh, there are about 67 active chapters throughout the United States, Canada, and Europe, as you can see. Uh, many of them are student chapters at the universities. 26 of, uh, of our groups are technical groups specialized in those fields from aerospace on one end to virtual and uh, extended reality or safety, ergonomics, product design, lots of different groups that may fit your flavor. There are 76 graduate schools, 20 undergraduate schools, so lots of opportunities to continue your education in human factors and ergonomics. And as Carolyn mentioned, we have lots of events going on throughout the calendar year from conferences, symposia, webinars, all of the above. And then today is our special topic about advocacy. So we're going to be talking about that further with our, our guest speakers who are coming on right after me. Uh, next slide, please. I do like to highlight the circle of life. Uh, for those of you who've been in my speeches before on this, um, you know I, I end up pulling out the Lion King from time to time. The circle of life for human factors and ergonomics in this sense is essentially what it says on the screen. We are made up of people all over the map from academia all the way to folks who are working in industry or government. And why that's important is because that circle of life connects us all together by producing goods and services, essentially. People, processes, tools, students, in, in some case, coming out of graduate schools, going into industry or government positions, or folks who are coming up with problems that need solutions from the government or from the industry side. And all that connects around in a circle perpetuating uh, through the ecosystem itself. Next slide, please. Now, why is that important? It's because of this guy right here. Um, since last year, we've been working on what we call our strategic roadmap, a number of different activities that were improving not only the benefits to members of HFES, but also the benefits to those who are serviced by members of HFES. Uh, there are a lot of items on this deck. Today, you see that advocacy thread that's highlighted on there. Our folks who are on today are gonna to be talking about the different things that they and their committees and the people that surround them in HFES are doing. So it's a perfect opportunity to talk about what's HFES doing for you. Next slide, please. The, uh, I wanna say the org chart of HFES is pretty thick. You can see it's hard to see many of these, but essentially what we have are five divisions that make up all of the, the background, what happens behind the curtains of HFES. Today, we're going to be zooming in on Blake, Blake McGowan up in the upper right. We can go to the next slide, please. Blake is part of our outreach division. He is the division chair, and Blake will be telling you today about what his group tends to do for uh, from ergonomics and human factors perspective. So, Blake, are you on? Yeah, I'm here. Thanks, Chris. All yours, sir. Yeah, uh, thanks for that uh, great overview of HFES and as well as the roadmap. I think that's really helpful for everyone. Um, and thanks, Carolyn, for uh, sharing a couple important things that I just want to um, state again. Uh, first, if you have not had a chance to view any of those Titan um, webinars, they're absolutely fantastic and a great way to, to learn from uh, people with tremendous amount of experience and, and knowledge to share. Uh, and second, from Carolyn's message, um, 
If you are interested in volunteering and helping out the committee in a, in a current um, uh, activity or something new, please feel free to, to let us know. And thanks, Nick, for uh, driving this bus today. Um, for those of you that I, I haven't met, uh, as Chris had mentioned, my name is Blake McGowan. Uh, I am a, a certified professional ergonomist, um, and I am the division chair for the Outreach or Advocacy Group. Um, I have been a member of HFES for over 20 years, uh, but this is my first time being part of the executive committee. And I started in November, so I'm very, very new to, to uh, the executive uh, committee as well as uh, the, the committees in the outreach group. I probably classify myself as uh, still in that learning phase. Uh, you know, I'm not too sure if I've, I've progressed to, to first grade, but uh, I'm definitely uh, still in kindergarten. So I hope to share what, what I can today. Um, <clears throat> you know, as, as the outreach uh, division chair, a lot of my role is communication between the, the committee chairs as well as the executive council uh, and making sure that uh, there's good awareness of what's going on. And one of the primary purposes of this group is, is to educate uh, our members uh, as well as the, the public and community on what HFES has to offer. Uh, and the other one is, is sometimes often overlooked is just to engage, uh, engage with practitioners and not always have to provide a, an exact solution, but start the conversation. Uh, today, I wanted to provide a very high level overview of the outreach committee. Uh, there's nine different uh, subcommittees uh, within this group. Uh, some of these committees I've had some engagement with, some of them I, I haven't. Uh, they are all doing excellent work. I just wanted to share with you, and I'll have to read some names off here and, and titles so I get it correctly. Uh, again, with the nine different uh, committees, uh, we will be hearing from three really exceptional committees today and, and answering questions on all nine, nine committees. But uh, the first committee in our group, and, and maybe Nick, if you want to share the, the zoomed in um, view of that PowerPoint, it gives people something to follow along, but uh, there's the white paper committee that develops white papers led by Rama Michaela, uh, the public outreach committee uh, that's obviously uh, focused on outreaching to, to the public uh, is led by Gary Orr, and we're hopefully gonna hear from Gary today. Uh, the National Ergonomics Month Committee led by Michelle Robertson is a great way to highlight uh, ergonomics uh, uh, over a, a full month period. Uh, Government, Rela Government Relations Committee uh, led by Mika Ensley, who you will hear from next talking about all of the outstanding activity that uh, that group is doing to get human factors and ergonomics in the conversation and in view of our government uh, agencies. Uh, the in Industry Advisory Board, the IAB, is led by uh, Deb Bain-Davis, and you'll also hear from her today. Uh, the sixth committee is the Representatives and Liaison Committee, uh, led by our President-elect, Carolyn Summerk. And you know, one of the important things with that committee is the number of relationships that we have with different groups. Uh, I don't recall the exact number. Uh, it's more than 10, but less than 30 groups that we're uh, interacting with to push our uh, content and help other groups as well as uh, share um, HF HFE with a, a broader uh, population. The seventh is, is uh, uh, BOCI, uh, led by Emily Roth, and combination of, or sorry, it's focused on kind of um, getting HFE in the in the, um, uh, the view of a lot of engineers and systems engineers. Uh, Chris Reed le leads the International Ergonomics Association representation. Uh, and I think there is an upcoming webinar uh, between the two groups. And lastly, the societal impact group led by Andrew Thatcher. Uh, I think it's one of more of the uh, newer act uh, committees. Uh, and you know, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity to, to share 
the impact of HFE on societal issues and you know things that come to my mind are things like sustainability and why not climate change and things like the opioid crisis there's so many opportunities there so um, so hopefully people are interested to hear from the experts from these committees uh, as I mentioned before please feel free to uh, ask your questions in the chat we're looking for an engaging session and, and lastly, if you're interested in volunteering in the Everage Division or others, please let, you, let us know. We're more than happy to have you. So um, at this point, I have the pleasure of passing the ball over to Mika Ensley, who leads our Government Relations uh, Committee. And you'll quickly learn that there's a tremendous amount of activity, but more importantly, a tremendous amount of important activity going on in that group. Mika? Uh, thanks, Blake. Um, so I'm in charge of the Government Relations Committee. Um, as most of you know, a large amount of the work that human factors professionals do is affected by the government. Uh, this is anything from uh, direct purchasing by government agencies for operations. Uh, for example, Department of Defense, uh, Homeland Security, FAA. They all uh, have to let work out to industry contractors to build systems for the government. Uh, they also have a big impact on regulations. So things like the certification of aircraft by the FAA, uh, certification of medical systems by the FDA, uh, workplace safety regulations under OSHA or uh, approval of nuclear power plants by DOE. All of those uh, operations of products are regulated by the, by the government. The government's also involved in funding a lot of direct research that our members uh, provide uh, from everything from uh, National Science Foundation, AHRQ, um, and then all of the agencies that, that I just mentioned. Uh, we also see a lot of legislation that affects um, academia, STEM, and, and related kind of efforts. And then uh, the government gets involved in a lot of new and emerging, emerging areas. So we're seeing a lot of queries and things from uh, like artificial intelligence, uh, remotely operated and autonomous vehicles that are being put on roads and, and aircraft systems, for example. And uh, all of these have huge um, implications for human factors and the work we do. So the goal on our committee is to provide government decision makers with uh, the best um, high quality human factors and ergonomic science uh, as an input into their decision making process. Most legislatures, uh, uh, legislators and agency decision makers aren't experts in human factors and ergonomics. Many of them have simply never heard about it. And so we spend a lot of time explaining what human factors and ergonomics is and its value for system design. We try to translate human factors and ergonomic science into policy that can inform their legislative and decision-making processes. And we try to make sure that human factors and ergonomic science gets included in requirements and regulations that are being developed uh, to go into their operations. Uh, we do this first by creating policy for the human factors and ergonomic society. Um, it's not just my opinion or somebody else's opinion, but really what we do is we form committees of the experts in a particular area uh, they meet and, and talk about, you know, what's the best science on a particular topic and what sorts of uh, policies do we really need to be promoting to help uh, achieve our objectives in those areas. Uh, that gets uh, reviewed and vetted by a number of experts. It goes through this committee and then it goes to the Human Factors and Ergonomic Society Executive Council to get approved as official policy. And if you look on the HFES website, you can see a number of those policy statements that, that have been approved. Uh, we have a brand new one that just got approved on telework, for example. We have a policy on autonomous and semi-autonomous uh, vehicles for uh, that are being used on highway transportation uh, that just got updated. 
You will see one on um, energy and the environment, uh, electric vehicle infrastructure, reducing the deadly use of force and law enforcement, AI and healthcare, um, human system integration, airline seating, occupational ergonomics, pandemic preparedness, and we're currently working on new policies for um, space and healthcare. Um, as examples of some of our activities, uh, we have been providing advocacy on um, some new uh, funding initiatives, for instance, uh, supporting funding for National Science Foundation and OSHA, um, supporting new, new legislation to improve funding for STEM and diversity and inclusion in STEM. Uh, we've also provided response to pending legislation in, and agency activities in a number of areas. So we provided, provided inputs on automated vehicles, uh, things like the AV Start Act, uh, the DOT Automated Vehicle Comprehensive Plan, and their uh, plan for automated vehicle technologies. Uh, we provided inputs in the healthcare area for the new um, healthcare ARPA agency that's being created and in RFIs on how the government can better prepare for the next pandemic. We've provided a number of inputs in artificial intelligence, things like the National Security Commission on AI and the National AI Initiative, as well as AI principles for the Department of Defense. Uh, we provided um, input in the aviation area. We were able to provide congressional testimony on the 737 MAX 8 accidents in 2019 that led into the new Aircraft Certification Reform and Accountability Act that had a number of provisions for improving human factors and ergonomics in um, aviation certification. So it increased human factors hiring and training within the FAA and improved safety oversights. Uh, it made sure that human factors people were included on review teams and were better integrated in the certification process. And it improved uh, funding for new areas of research in the human factors area that are, are very pertinent to um, aircraft safety and um, automation in particular. Another big initiative we had was, was that of human readiness levels. Uh, Holly Handley, one of our science policy fellows, led this up working with Judy C to create a new standard on human readiness levels. And that's guiding a lot of our outreach work that's going to impact uh, DOD operations and others. Uh, so with, with that, I'm going to uh, uh, turn it back to um, Nick, uh, but, but that's just a, an example of some of the things that we're currently working on. Hey, Nick, I don't Nick. know if you're coming on or if you want me to go ahead and get going. Nick's on I'll, mute, Gary. You think you better go ahead. I'll just go ahead then. Okay. You had your chance, Nick. So I'm on the public outreach committee and I chair that committee. And if you're on this podcast and you don't know what human factors is, you're not alone. There's a lot of people who don't. And that's one of our um, real challenges is to try to make sure that we get the word out about what we do and that uh, we are inviting people to come in and join. It's a, it's a large net. We have a, a very a big tent that we have for people, lots of diff different disciplines. And so I'll just talk about some of the things that we do in public outreach. Uh, and hopefully some of those might be interesting to you and, and certainly invite you to, to come and join us. Um, one of the things that we have spent a, a good bit of effort in is trying to look at STEM events around the country and join those. Uh, for a number of years, they had those here in uh, where I am. I'm in Washington, D.C. We had uh, the largest uh, STEM event in the U.S., and we would participate in that and uh, explain to mostly about uh, later elementary through um, high school and, and their parents 
what human factors is all about and a lot of interest. Obviously, a lot of people not aware of, of what we do. And at a STEM event, a lot of the kids that are there are interested in uh, physics and some of the, um, uh, the, the more fundamental uh, engineering disciplines. And when they hear about human factors, their guys light up like, oh, my gosh, this is something pretty interesting to us. So that's something that we do as those events come up. Uh, we try to get in, in uh, into those events. Um, the other thing we were having a, a conversation that we're going to start picking up is at the um, annual conference, as Caroline had mentioned, coming up. Um, we used to try to get some of the, the more public uh, leaning uh, papers and research out into the public. And, and we're going to pick that back up again so that, um, you know, we can have contact with the press. And if the press has some interest, you know, as uh, Michael was talking about, a lot of the um, uh, information that we're researching has public interest. And so looking at, at what some of the current research is, I think, would be interesting to, um, to the press and, and people that are developing articles in those areas. Um, I, I think, as Chris had mentioned, one of the areas that is within um, our group is the National Ergonomics Month, and that's October. And used to, that event was, was kind of concentrated on what the uh, outreach, that mostly at the university level, uh, what they were doing. They had different uh, activities that they would do, uh, both within their departments, whether that was an engineering department, psychology department, and sometimes that would be campus-wide, so there would be like a campus-wide event, and they'd participate in that and explain to um, the other other folks on campus what Human Factors was all about. But uh, Michelle Robertson, is, as uh, Blake had mentioned, took that over a few years ago and has really expanded their outreach and, and what they're looking at, and much more than just the month now. While they still try to coordinate what the college level is doing and and both reward what's going on at the college level and encourage sharing at that level. They also have uh, some other interests. Uh, one of the interests is to try to look at the materials that teachers in K through 12 might be interested in that would talk about human factors. What we learned is those teachers have a need for information, but it has to be packaged in a way that is, is comparable to the way that they present material at, the, at that grade level. So uh, NEM is looking at those, um, trying to understand how to package material that might be appropriate for, for those different age groups. Um, the other thing that we're, that group is also looking at is uh, HFE uh, issues in healthcare. And a lot of people are looking at that. Uh, it's, I think Carolina just mentioned that there was a, a conference that just uh, concluded on that. Uh, but I think trying to provide some outreach materials to that particular group. So uh, that group, that uh, the NEM group is very, very active. And um, I, uh, shout out uh, Tristan Inslee, with, if that name sounds familiar, the daughter of, and she is very active. And they have a they have a, a, a good group of folks, very, very interested. They meet, I think they meet on a bi-monthly basis to talk about projects that they're working on and updates. So that certainly would be um, a lot of... Uh, a, a lot of activity if you're interested in, in those particular areas. So, so those are some of the big things that we have going on. Uh, from time to time, we have projects that come in. Uh, a couple of years ago, there was a video contest explain what Human Factors is in a, in a short video. And so we, um, we headed up that project to, uh, to get those videos both ranked and then to provide rewards to, to the winners of those. So um, as those projects come up, uh, we, we certainly get involved in, in doing some public outreach there. 
So, you know, as, as we were talking about putting together what we're doing, some questions that came to my mind uh, for, for you is if, 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 as you think about public outreach, what is it, what is it that people would want to know about uh, human factors uh, and ergonomics? And so to try to help us focus, you know, where should we be spending our efforts and moving in that direction? And, and obviously, uh, different groups of people are going to have different interests. So, you know, we, we talked about the student participation, uh, K through 12. There's going to be those people in college. There's going to be the young, young professionals um, out there. Uh, and there's going to be people who are mid-career and later career. So all those different types of age groups certainly have some different information needs. So as you're thinking about public outreach, I'd, I'd appreciate your, your thoughts on some of those questions. And Nick, I will turn it back over to you. Thank you. Is my mic working now? Because it's really hard to host a panel <laughs> when the internet keeps dropping out. You you are working. You are loud and clear. <laughs> thank you. All right. We're going to pass it over to Deb. And thank you, everyone, for dealing with my uh, internet service provider issues today. They're going to get a sternly worded letter along with the service that we're using today. So, Deb, I'm going to pass it over to you so you can let everybody know about the Industrial Advisory Board Committee. Great. Thank you so much, Nick. So um, the Industrial Advisory Board Committee is actually the newest committee in this domain. Uh, it has existed for less than a year. And therefore, we don't have lots and lots of accomplishments to share, like Micah and Gary were able to share. Uh, but as you heard from Blake and from them, we're reaching out to the public, we're reaching out to the government, we're reaching out to other societies, but we were missing a connection to industry. And so to that end, Chris Reed established this committee and he actually asked Andy Amata to chair it. Uh, Andy unfortunately couldn't make it today, so I'm just filling in for him. Now, the goal of this committee is to make our discipline relevant by ensuring two-way communication between industry leaders and our society. Now, as an applied science, we need to be relevant. Our research needs need to be targeted in the needed, promising, and fundable areas. And our applications need to be suited to today's problems. So one way to help meet that goal to ensure that we have strong two-way communication between industry and society is to set up a committee that allows us to bring in industry leaders and have conversations. Now, as I said, the committee is brand new, so we've only just begun our work. To date, um, we've reached out to other societies that have industry advisory boards or IABs to learn from them how they operate, how they get the best value from such a committee. And we've used that to develop a set of operating rules um, that will help us govern the way in which we operate. And we started to think about people who might be good industry representatives to recruit for the board. So we're not necessarily interested in people who are already in the society. We're looking for people who would be open to human factors work. And we're trying to reach out beyond our current membership to get people who are new to get them involved and excited about doing HFE work. Now, we haven't reached out to anyone yet, and we won't do that until we have a clear message about how we'll meet our goal of ensuring those transparent two-way communications and the best way of translating our research results into practical applications that will make the value of HFE clear to our board members. I'm really excited to see where the committee takes us. Uh, if you have any experience with industrial advisory boards, we'd love to hear from you about those experiences. Um, but other than that, right now, we're not necessarily looking for volunteers since we're just trying to get up off the ground. So with that, I will turn it back to Nick, uh, who will move us, I think, into Q&A. 
Yeah, thank you and thank everyone so much for the overview of various ways in which HFES is reaching out. I know I learned a few things and hope that there are many other watching, many uh, more that are watching that have learned something as well. Uh, I think, yeah, like you said, now we'll go ahead and open it up to live questions. As a reminder, uh, no matter where you're watching or listening, drop your comments in the chat or in the comment section and we'll see them on our end. Uh, so let us know what questions you have. With that, I'll go ahead and bring up the entire panel now. So that way we can all have a wonderful discussion. And if I drop out, everyone can be available. <laughs> okay. Uh, I do have um, the first question here uh, from Wayne. And Carolyn, I'm going to direct this one to you. Wayne writes, uh, greetings, folks. Recently heard about the collaboration between the IISE Applied Ergo Society and HFES. Wondering if someone can comment on that. Thanks. Hi, yeah, Wayne, thanks so much for that question. Um, we are super excited about the MOU that was just uh, uh, drafted and approved um, between the two organizations. So, um, and so Gary Allred, uh, who's a member of HPS and also now the, I, I believe now with their meeting that they just had, that he's now the president of the AES. And he and Tom Aubin uh, have been working uh, very hard on that MOU and bringing that to uh, two, the two organizations. And now that we have it in place, Tom Rawl, who is also, uh, I saw uh, in the, uh, uh, on here today, uh, Tom is uh, one of our liaisons between AES and uh, HVS. And these guys are already doing some really neat stuff working with the uh, occupational ergonomics technical group in HVS to develop some uh, programming at the annual meeting and also thinking about some webinars uh, that would be of interest to members of both organizations. And also, I know that Tom, having just been at AES last week, that he was going to specifically be getting some people together at that meeting to think about some other types of activities that would provide benefit to members of both organizations. So we are super, super excited about that. Uh, relation that new relationship as well as some others uh, that are oh yes uh, Wayne we will we will do that feel free to reach out to me with any questions you have I'm excited about the collaboration great Wayne thank you so much for that great question Wayne if anybody else has any questions please drop them in the chat uh, I do have a question and maybe we can go around the horn uh, for all of you so one question that people might be having is how can I get involved with these awesome efforts? Um, so maybe we'll start kind of uh, in the display. We'll kind of start top left and we'll kind of just kind of work our way around. So, um, Deb, let's start with you. How can how can folks get involved uh, with the Industrial Advisory Board if they want to do so? So at the moment, the entire committee is myself and Andy. So uh, if you have any desire to get involved, just reach out to me directly. Um, and you can find my uh, email in the directory. And I am happy to chat with you about opportunities. All right, Micah, if, if, if folks want to get involved with the Government Relations Committee, how can people do that? 
Well, we have a couple of ways. One is we have our uh, subcommittees. We have eight subcommittees on different topic areas, ranging from you know aviation, law enforcement, occupational ergonomics, uh, space, uh, et cetera. So we have experts on those policies who help to form our, our, our on those subcommittees that help to form our policies, as well as acting as uh, uh, quick uh, groups for quick response to legislation that comes out. The best way, though, to get involved is as a science policy fellow and the science policy fellow program we created uh, a few years back and that selects uh, three to five people each year uh, and they come in and, and work for a year on the GRC. Uh, they participate in the meetings. They really learn how to do outreach. They go to a Capitol Hill day uh, to meet with legislators. Uh, we've, had to, we've had to postpone those the last couple of years because of COVID, but we hope to, to reinstate that this year. Um, and they really learn how to do government outreach and, and to translate our science into policy, which is a whole other layer of abstraction. Um, so it's it's a great uh, program. Uh, then they, they work on uh, programs of interest to themselves for like a two-year individual project that could be tailored to their particular interest area, whether it be um, healthcare or um, aviation or transportation or whatever their, their topic of interest is. Um, our, um, Human readiness level uh, standard, for instance, came out of one of those efforts. We did an update to our automated vehicle uh, um, policy statement. Uh, was another one of our science policy fellow programs. So uh, it's a great, great opportunity. And announcement should be coming out for that uh, very soon in the bulletin to apply for that program uh, for for the upcoming uh, year. Thank you. And and Blake, if folks want to get involved with like the wider outreach division, the, out, the wider committees, how can they do so? And what kind of things are available for people to volunteer for? Yeah, great question. You know, the, the first thing I'd recommend is, you know, visit the, the web page and under the committees section, you can learn a little bit more about each of the nine different committees uh, within the outreach <clears throat> division. Uh, you can also uh, look and learn about the other committees that are there. The other thing is you're able to see uh, who are members of each of those committees. So if there's a particular uh, group of person or, or, or background of person you're looking to work with, uh, you can check that out as well. And if there's something that you don't see, but you're still willing to participate in, in a committee, uh, you can always reach out uh, to myself and I can provide you with a little bit more detail and hopefully we can find the right home for you. Thanks, Blake. Gary, Public Outreach Committee, how can folks uh, get involved? off a of mute. Oh, there we go. go. All right. Uh, you know, it, it is, it's like everybody has been saying, you know, reach out to us either individually or reach out through, um, uh, I think, info at, at HFES. And, you know, particularly with public outreach, people have some great ideas like, oh, man, I wish that, you know, HFES was here. Or, These people don't know anything about human factors, engineering and ergonomics. You know, they, they need to have something. Um, just send us a note. Say, listen, man, this is a great opportunity. Be glad to, uh, you know, either chat with you and more than likely say, hey, listen, I'll put you in charge of that effort. <laughs> Move it along. Yeah. And just as kind of a general note here, um, if anybody has any questions about volunteering in general or if they want to get involved but don't know how, you can send an email over to info at hfes.org. It's a great way to start that uh, line of communication with uh, the folks for HFES. Um, I do have a question here from Rose about the uh, Industrial Advisory Board. The question is, would you consider having a balance of uh, not only recruiting outsiders uh, or new members, but 
also inviting some current members from industry uh, so they can provide some context. Deb, I'm going to pass this one over to you. Yeah, absolutely, Rose. Thanks for the question. Um, I was not involved in the original thinking about this, but I, I believe that the goal would be to have all the actual board members be from outside the society and then bring people in from the society to meet with them periodically so that when they meet, the people wouldn't necessarily be on the board, but they would be meeting with them to kind of tell them a little bit about what we're doing and how we connect to their industries and all that sort of thing. So we definitely want to get those two-way communications going. Um, but I certainly will take that thought back about whether it makes sense to put HFES members on the board itself. Um, and, and we'll certainly think about it. Thank you for that answer, Deb. I'm gonna. There's another one here from Osiris. Uh, more general question here. I uh, hope everyone is safe and continue to continue to succeed. What are some of the great advices for those who are looking to pursue a career in human factors engineering, prim primarily ergonomics? What are some materials and/or certifications to help support the development of future ergonomists? So, Nick, I can grab this one. Please do. Um, so Cyrus, great question. You know, going down the path of, in this case, becoming an ergonomist is, is a, a very righteous one from my perspective, because I, I sit on the, the physical side of the house with ergonomics. Um, there are a lot of opportunities to pursue. You can go from certifications, uh, for example, um, uh, a certified uh, ergonomist or a CPE professional ergonomist is one opportunity. You can do degrees. I mentioned at the top of the hour looking at bachelor's degrees, looking at graduate degrees. There are lots of opportunities for university systems. Um, those are good ways to do it. Other ways to do it, like I came up shadowing ergonomists. Um, so finding mentors um, just to see what they do and understand what, they, um, what the science entails. Um, that way you can start getting your feet wet there. And then when you get into the, the school system or certificate program, um, those are other options that you can get more involved with. And of course, you always kind of want to know where you'd like to be a destination point. So if you have areas that you'd like to work in, maybe uh, industry destinations, consulting destinations, start looking at what they do. Um, that way you can prepare yourself through your, your schooling side for those potential jobs. Yeah, great answer, Chris. Uh, let's see here. Anyone want to take this question on uh, pandemic pandemic response and preparedness? Um, yeah, I can uh, take that. So uh, this is a, a, a really interesting topic that came up. And during the pandemic, of course, there was a lot of attention to things like availability of masks for healthcare workers or um, respiratory equipment, things like that, and, and lack of stockpile. So a lot of focus went on things like that. But we also saw a lot of challenges as the healthcare system uh, came under stress. Uh, with being able to, to adapt and scale up to a lot of the challenges that were going on, going on there. So our uh, science policy fellows who were all involved in the healthcare industry actually leapt into action really fast. They were able to gather data on what was going on within healthcare organizations, particularly in the early days of the pandemic, as they were stressed in being able to uh, perform adequately under the, the surge that they, they had. And they formed a number of, uh, they surveyed the industry and were able to, to form some uh, rapid responses to provide inputs. And so, for example, some of the um, inputs that we, we focused on were really looking at things like investing in human factors and ergonomics research uh, programs and policies 
so that we can improve the overall resiliency of healthcare systems during these types of surge events like pandemics and, and other kinds of public health crises. Uh, that's where you really started to see things come apart at the seams and, and everything from whether that equipment properly fit people, the range of equipment that was available, uh, the communication systems that completely fell apart where people didn't know what to do as, as procedures changed very rapidly, uh, a number of issues like that. And so our, our inputs uh, back to the government have really focused on things like uh, focusing on uh, the usability of new processes, equipment and procedures and work design that, that kind of got overlooked while we were in that crisis mode. We now need to focus on those things to, to improve the resiliency of the healthcare system and uh, to increase funding at uh, looking at some of the human factors improvements that'll make it adaptable in advance for future uh, surge events. And, and those types of uh, focus are in, in everything from uh, home-based care, telehealth, electronic health records, um, direct pandemic preparedness for things like um, dealing with workload and fatigue, design of protective equipment, uh, dealing with provider wellness, uh, preventing uh, burnout, uh, public health measures, things like um, methods and tools for improving public compliance with uh, healthcare recommendations, um, and a variety of areas um, uh, like that. So uh, very broad-based um, recommendations that went back and how we could better prepare for uh, pandemics in future. Thank you. So I, I do have a question. Uh, selfishly, you know, some, one of my sort of main interests in hosting a Human Factors podcast is reaching a younger demographic and sort of generating some excitement around the field. Um, you know, Gary, I, I want to ask you a question here. Uh, is, can you talk a little bit about how we can get young people involved and, and maybe talk a little bit more about that DC event, how many people were reached there? Yeah, Nick, that's a, you know, that's one of our passions uh, among the public outreach. And probably, you know, we should be, you know, looking at some of the other age groups that we are really passionate about this, um, this younger generation up, you know, we'll, at the at the STEM event in DC, there's about over a three-day period, about 300,000 people that attend the event. And I would say uh, several thousand come by the booth. And it's a great opportunity. We have hands-on demonstrations. You know, we talk about uh, anything, everything from, you know, how human factors works to designing an experiment. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it to Deb just a little bit because Deb's students from George Mason when she was there were just fantastic. And just sort of a short antidote this is a huge event. There's probably several hundred exhibitors. They have simulations, they have exoskeletons, they have an incredible amount of information. And we were hands-on with, with a group and this young lady, she was probably about 12. She said, you know what? Yours was the best booth I attended. And Deb, I'll turn it to you. Oh, you're on mute. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it is amazing what impact this has. The very first time we did it, we were on the mall outside, but we managed to bring a PlayStation 2 and we had people who were driving a driving simulator and we had a cell phone ring and they got distracted and almost always ran off the road. And we had all these teenagers who were sure that they could drive <laughs> and text at the same time. And they were all shocked at how it didn't work. But what was most amazing to me was that there was a judge who came through and saw that and asked for our students to come in and give those demos in high schools and sometimes in court before they got their 
um, their license to let them know how dangerous this was based on this outreach. So it's amazingly impactful to show young children how much we can do um, by knowing about human factors. Great answers. I love seeing young people engaged. I think we have time for one more question. So we'll go ahead and ask this one by Christy. I want to bring up sort of the relationship to UX. Uh, love the outreach to industry. In industry, there are a lot of research scientists, but there are also tons of UX researchers, myself included. Is this a group that we can actively try to engage with uh, or bring into HFES? And, and sort of what are those efforts? Um, you know, I think... Uh, do, do we want to bring this one over to Carolyn? Yeah, so thanks, Nick, and thanks, Christy, for the for the question. Um, you know, this is this is a real passion uh, in terms of uh, Rebecca Greer, who's one of our uh, EC uh, members at large, and um, we we certainly do have a technical group, usability and systems evaluation technical group. So. The usability is is a is a long time piece of uh, human factors and ergonomics, but um, to to Christy's point and and Rebecca's concern that um, th there does seem to be a split and and I think that we definitely want to make more of a concerted effort. You know, at, at the annual meeting we always have a usability day on Wednesday where where we focus on this, but again that's you know that's more internal and people who know about it, but I think more concerted efforts and and thinking about how do we do this? What is the strategy? What would be successful? I think one piece of that would be thinking about who we um, would invite to the IEP and having uh, a member or more than one member on there from an organization that um, is very focused on, on UX would, would be one way to do that, but it's it's it needs a, a multi-pronged strategy for sure. And I'd love to have any of our other folks um, uh, uh, weigh in on this as well with your ideas. Yeah, Carolyn, this is Carissa. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The IAB is one avenue. Some of the other avenues that we've been looking at are um, training courses. I know, um, for example, uh, our membership committee is also looking into that to see some crossover opportunity for training folks in UX. Uh, on ErgoX this year, um, one of the, the new chairs that we, we brought in um, is Kay Stanny. Kay Stanny is a National Academies member. Uh, she is creating her own track, her own program in ErgoX on extended reality technologies, such as virtual reality, augmented mixed reality, things like that. Um, and so she's also representing that um, user experience community and infusing that into the program of ErgoX. So there's different tacks that we're taking, um, like Carolyn said, listening and learning. Nick mentioned he's part of the UX community, bringing together focus groups. We're trying to be as inclusive as possible to all of the, the different fields of HFE. So thank you. Excellent question to end on. That's going to be it for today, everyone. We sincerely hope that you enjoyed this town hall discussion today. If you like this, we invite you to join us next time for our next quarterly town hall. As a reminder, there is a link to a survey in the description so that you can let us know how we did today and what you might want to hear from us in the future. I want to thank all the distinguished panelists and everyone else on the HFES side of the house for making this happen. You can always find the latest from HFES at hfes.org. 
we encourage you to join the HFES LinkedIn group or, you know what, take a look at those HFES bulletins in your emails. You can keep up to date with some of the society news. As for me, I've been your moderator, Nick Rome. You can find me on Human Factors Cast, our weekly podcast, where we talk about the latest news from around the Human Factors world. You can also find me across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning into the town hall. You know what, everyone on the line, I love to end my regular show with It Depends, because in Human Factors, it's kind of the de facto answer for everything. And truthfully, hearing you all say It Depends in unison would absolutely make my day, especially after all these internet issues. I've never heard seven people say it at the same time. Would you all join me in signing off the, this little tagline? I'll count down from three, and then on, uh, you know, we'll say three, two, one, and then, it, okay, so... Three, two, one, it depends. It depends. <laughs>